Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day. How many of you... No, I'm joking here. Americans spend about $14 billion a year. I thought it would be much less than that. For moms, on the other hand, we spend upwards of $23 billion a year. The average spent on a father for Father's Day is about 130 bucks, and for moms, it's right at about 200 So, dads, we know where you rate. Someone once put it, said, the only reason that we have Father's Day is because we have Mother's Day. <laughs> you know, being a dad, I, I'm a father of, of four, and it's really but it's also been a challenge, a challenge to live up to standards. I mean, today, I mean, there's the, the fathers that they're putting out are just amazing. You know, they show up, uh, they carry a diaper bag. I can remember looking at a young friend of mine, and he was carrying a diaper bag, and I said, what's the matter? Your wife's sick? Has she lost her arms? What's going on? And he goes, no, I'm, I'm just participating in fatherhood this way. And, I, and I'm, I'm from the old school where, you know, you, you go into a, a hospital and you hang out in the lobby and then somebody comes out and tells you you're a father. Well, that is not actually true. That was actually my dad. I was in the room with all of, when all of our kids were being born. And I can remember each one of them very distinctly and thinking, oh my goodness, what a miracle. And then I, my second thought is, I owe this woman for the rest of my life. I can never complain about a, a hangnail or mashing uh, my finger with a hammer or anything else. This person is actually my new hero. Listen. Mark Twain once said, he said, when I was 14, I thought my father was the most ignorant person in the world. He said, but by the time I, 20, by the time he, I became 21, I was surprised seven years, right? So it, it's true, isn't it? Ray Romano, the very <laughs> uh, famous comedian, said, having children is like ha living in a frat house. There, nobody sleeps, everything's broken, and there's lots of throwing up. <laughs> Jim Gaffigan, one of my favorite comedians, said, there should be a children's song. If you're happy and you know it, keep it to yourself and let your dad sleep. He also went on to say, he said, people ask him, because he has a lot of kids now, he has five, but at the time that he said this, he said, people ask me, how, how is it to have four kids? He said, it's like drowning in water and then someone throwing you a baby. Okay, you know what? These are not great jokes. I'll admit it. Fine. Um... No, one father put it this way. He said, you keep pictures of your children where your money used to be. All right, I don't know if that's said. 
Well, this morning I want to talk to us about the Lord, our Father. Many of us have had good fathers, others absent fathers, others fathers not so good, not good examples, and we we find that it's hard oftentimes to relate to God based upon our relationship with our Father. And so today we're going to focus on our Heavenly Father and just how much He cares for each one of us and loves each one of us. Would you join me in our affirmation? This is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I welcome all He has for me today. By his word, he guides me. By his spirit, his will, he is transforming me. I am his unique workmanship, his unique work of art. And may his will be done in me today, and I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for our time together. Thank you that you have so carefully and fearfully have made us, Lord, into your image. We thank you, Lord, that each person is precious to you. And so, Lord, as we think about honoring fathers, we really want to honor you today and say thank you for all that you have done for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. He is unique. Look with me at Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. He's different than any other father. Are never as consistent as our heavenly father. They can, right, disappoint us, right? They can let us down. They can be harsh or critical, right? Sometimes too demanding, or maybe worse, distant and uninvolved in our lives, never around, too busy with their own lives, too busy working, right? Rarely giving much attention or encouragement that we need or affirmation that's so necessary. They can become cold and unemotional. And sadly, even for some, fathers can be abusive. Happily, for us, our Father in Heaven is unique. He is very unique. He is holy, and He is different from the rest. He said, when Jesus was speaking to His disciples about how to pray, He was teaching them how to speak to the Father. He and the Father were one, but they needed to know how to talk to Him, how to relate to the Father how to have that nice, that relationship with, with him. So he said, when you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'd like to read that to you in Eugene Peterson's translation, the message. He says, with a God this loving, you can pray very simply, like this, our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. I love what 
Paul wrote in the book of Timothy. He said, all honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is eternal king, the unseen one, one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. And he goes on to say, God, the blessed, the only ruler, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. Let to him be honor and might forever and ever. Amen. He doesn't change. He's not a flake. Uh, I, I tell you, as a father, one of the difficult things to live with is the fact that you're not perfect. I would love to be perfect. I think my wife would love for me to be perfect too. <laughs> and I definitely think that my kids would love if I were perfect. But it hasn't happened thus far. However, there's a sense that you get from Scripture of how you should treat and behave and care for your children. And in today's world, dads, I don't think that it's very easy. I see a lot of dads more involved in their children's lives, and I admire it. And they will produce the good fruit from that. You know, from my generation, it was go to work. And you go to work, and you provide, and you show up for basketball games, for soccer games. And, uh, you know, that's about it. You take them to church, you read the Bible to them. But we find that kids need even more care, don't we? They need attention. They need direction. They need someone to help them along. The worst thing that you can do to your child is be their buddy. They, don't, they have buddies. They have friends. What they need is someone who will guide them. And God, for us, is that father. God, for us, is that father that we can depend upon who will guide us, who will lead us, and who will teach us. Yes, he, we're told that Jesus is a friend and to sinners, but truly our Father in heaven is one who cares enough to guide and to discipline and to mature us and to bring us along. Blessed be his name. He is holy, unique. He does not change. He is in a flake. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God is not a shadowy figure lurking in the midst. He's not unknown. He's alive. He's well known to us. He doesn't change. He's trustworthy. He's dependable. And he's the source of all of our light, not only physically, but he's the source of light intellectually, spiritually, okay? He is the source of all life. God is light, and the life himself, he does not change. So what does that mean? Well, that means that we can trust him. One of the things that hurts a kid's heart is when a parent is inconsistent. 
Isn't that one of the toughest things to do, to be as a parent, is to be consistent, you know? To, to, to constantly have a character that your kid can pay attention to, that your kid can depend upon and trust, right? That, that's what we want. We know that that's best, but it's not always that easy, is it? It's not. Moms or dads providing that consistent character. But he is pointing his disciples to the Father of lights. No shifting, no changing. His character is constant and complete. And for us, even as older adults, that plays a great role in how we live our lives. Because if you and I don't think that we can trust God, or that somehow his character changes, or somehow God gets in a bad mood like you do, God can get down or upset. God doesn't feel like being nice to us. We've made a mistake and therefore God is rejecting us. Those kind of feelings will bring us to question who he is, which means this will be a determiner in how we trust him on a daily basis. If you don't know this yet, you and I need to trust God for everything, every day. It's meant, he's meant to be that person. He's meant to be that stable fact in our lives that we can trust. He is the true, holy, and pure Father. We can trust Him. We can trust Him when things are hard. Even when our faith is weak, we can trust Him. Even when we don't feel like it. Even when we sin, his plans for us do not change. You see, our life is now found in Jesus, and he is the end of all we are and all we think. So, he's not just predictable, but his character is true. He is one true person that you and I can depend upon. It would be nice to say that we always are able to depend upon our mates, right? I mean, if you're in church right now, you definitely have to say that you can depend on your mate. <laughs> you don't want to make a big mistake at church. But even our mates, even the, the ones that we love most, can let us down. Family members can let us down, can't they? People at work, people that you trust, all of a sudden you find that ubiquitous stab in the back. Excuse me, sir, I think you forgot your knife. Oh, I did? Yeah, it's right here. Just, there it is. Go ahead, you can take it home. I don't need it. But beyond that, he provides for us what we need. He provides not everything that we want, but he provides for us what we need. In verse 11 of this chapter, he says, Give us this day our daily bread. That means we can depend upon him for our provision. And this passage tells us that we can trust 
and depend on him for our life itself, for our very life. You know, I don't know about you if you've heard a lot of the new diets out there, but the one that I'm working on right now, they say that bread is evil, which I find unbiblical, um, especially in this passage. Don't eat bread, then why live? Don't eat chips, then why live? Don't eat potatoes and, and shame my Irish culture. How could I ever do that? But that's what it's called for. But when it's speaking of bread here, bread in that time was life. It was the greatest sustainer of life with water. Bread was so important. It meant life itself. Give us this day what we need, God, exactly what we need to sustain us. You see, we're called to depend upon him, and we can, that means that you and I can ask him for help. We should be asking God for help. We pray for his guidance every day in what we do. Lord, I need a job. Okay, I need a better job. I need some friends, God. I'm lonely. Uh, I need better friends, God. I need a place to live. I need a better place to live. I need help with my whole life. You say, Dave, this is very common territory. We know this prayer really well. We've grown up with this. You're not really telling us anything new. The reason that I'm bringing this up during Father's Day is because I believe that everyone in this room and outside of this room throughout this city, this nation, and the world right now are in a state of confusion and turmoil. Can anyone say amen to that? If you're running around like everything's perfect and wonderful, well, your medication is working. <laughs> but we wonder, don't we? It seems that the very foundation of where we live and what we do is up for grabs, and the ground beneath us is moving, isn't it? And we wonder which direction it's going to go. How will it pitch us? Is the foundation that we have, is it firm? And if you watch the news and you read articles, you know that you get the feeling that something else is coming. Anybody get that feeling? It's like uh, I read a post from a friend of mine who comes to this fellowship, and she had been going through a lot of physical diagnosis and just really a tough year. And, and finally, and I'm going to use her, her words because I think they fit, and you can get mad at me later. Um, but <clears throat> based upon everything that she's gone through and everything that's happened in the world, she said, 2020, you stink. You stink. Thus far, you stink. And there's none of us feeling like, oh, well, it's all about to be over. The sun's going to start shining and everything will be wonderful again. There's a sense that, oh, no, I wonder 
what's coming next. And if you and I don't have that firm foundation and understanding of who our Father is in the midst of all of this, you and I will falter. We'll look in other directions. We'll look in places that aren't as strong. We'll look to to persons who are not able to provide what God is able to provide. You see, if there was ever a time that we can depend upon the living God, it is during a time that is very, that's filled with danger, a time that is tumultuous, and that's when he calls upon us. And, and where we've been living, my friends, let me just, I want to say it straight. We have been almost lulled to sleep as believers in this country. We live for our comforts. I, I love my very soft furniture at the house. I love my very soft and perfect bed that calls to me, even now while I'm speaking, Dave, happy Father's Day. I'll be here for you. And we've built our lives around comfort. And, 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 and in the comfort that we receive, we're able to thank God and say, thank you, God, for prospering me this way. Thank you for letting me live and have a bed that is nice and, and comfy. Thank you for allowing me to have locks on my doors and to be safe at night. Thank you for that. Thank you for the clothes that I have. But it has become for us politically. It has become for us financially that the most important thing is keeping that thing going, my friends. And I tell you what, God wants a hearty people that are ready to rock and roll. I can't believe I just said rock and roll, but it came out. But you know what I mean. People who wake up, something's happened. Something big is going on. And maybe you haven't needed to pray this prayer for a long time. Father, heaven, holy is your name. Give me today my daily bread because you've got plenty of it. You've got tons of it in your cupboard. Why would you need to pray for more? You've got plenty. You have all you need. The best place to be is to need God with all you have. Not to have all you need, but to need God with all you have. We're living in exciting times. Very exciting times. I believe that God is shaking the tree. And I'm telling you, my friends, this is not a time to fear. This is a time to get ready to, to experience, if we will participate, in a great revival 
of people coming to Christ. Uh, the thing that we were made for, the thing that we were made for in Christ is to be gospel soldiers who share the good news, who give our lives, who gladly share among folks who are hurting and, and people who need it. That's us. And God, wake us up out of our slumber. How many of you want to go down like this? Well, he lived a pretty boring life. His wife would even admit that he was boring as well. He said nice things to people. She said nice things to other people. And then she went on for her reward. And I always think, Lord, the life that am I living, is there any reward needed? Or am I getting the best of my reward right now? Is, is, is this the best? Because I'm pretty rewarded. I have a lot in this life. What is it? One of my favorite old songs from a ska band. When we go to heaven, we want to we reach the gates of heaven with bloody knuckles. That we got there. I love that. With bloody knuckles. Fighting for the lives of people around us. Living the gospel in a way that's dynamic and powerful. We don't have to cower away and wonder about the election. Aren't you sick of thinking about the election? It's still not over. It just keeps coming. It, the stories just keep coming. And every time that I think of that, I think of your kingdom come, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the dream that I want to dream. You see, you and I got to have a better dream. We got to have a better dream, and that's the dream of God's kingdom where he rules, where he is our father, where he runs things, where he makes things happen, where he is the one who is the head. He is the one that we have allegiance to. And when others are out of line, we don't care as much because we don't worry about them. We worry more about our king. You see? Our Father wants us to depend upon Him for everything. Say, say you're brought into a room and you're getting ready to be debriefed and sent out on a mission, every one of us. And you have the person who's in charge ready to, to give you the briefing. But people keep talking and people keep yammering back and forth and arguing so that it starts to drown out the, what the leader is saying. And then pretty soon you engage in the conversations on the side and you start arguing with the other people. And, and, and yet the, the leader who has the information that you need to get the job done isn't being listened to even though he's there, even though we would call him a leader. 
We're not listening to him. We're in danger of this world drowning out the words of the living God. You want to make it through? Put your ear toward radio free heaven. Make sure you get the podcast. Make sure that it's tuned in. Make sure that you have paid your dues and you're listening to God flicks, not Netflix. Why? Because he is the key to human flourishing. All the problems we have with race right now, all the internal things that we're dealing with, the unrest in the country, things that we've forgotten, things that we should have been doing. He's the one who can bring us to human flourishing in the right way. Because at his throne, there will be persons from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every kingdom of the earth. That's his, that's his deal. No matter what our hang-ups are, no matter what we have, that's his deal. And that's the kingdom that he's building. And we, unless we're paying attention to his voice, we're going to miss it. And we keep missing it. Do you want to miss it? No, you don't. You want to be in it. Are you tired of the way things are working in the world? How many of you are real happy with the state of the nation? Just raise your hands. Nobody's raising their hands. You, it's the best it's ever been. Just keep those hands up there. Nobody. Well, then who do you think you people are? Innocent bystanders? Waiting for a hero? Guess what? Your heroes appeared. His name is Jesus. And he can make us normal people into, into persons that bear his image and bring peace and bring stability and hope to a world that desperately needs it. It's just, do you, will, will you believe it enough to get on the ship? Will you believe it enough to get on the ship? I've said it before. It comes from a buddy of mine. But he says, hey, you want to be a leader? Jump on the ship. <laughs> That's good. Let's get on the ship. He forgives us in verse 12. He said, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Our promise, our Father has promised to forgive us. One of the hardest things for us to do in this life is to move forward when we feel a heavy sense of guilt, isn't it? When you don't feel forgiven or you haven't forgiven someone else, that, that thing just stays with you and builds in you and weakens you. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, during this time when things can get pretty crazy, I was talking to the men yesterday, and um, men use a different language. Uh, I don't, 
guys, I, I don't want to give away your secrets, but it's more like, that's kind of, that's like a general hello at men's group. But I ask, how many of you feel angry right now and super frustrated? Just this over-sense, overwhelming anger and anxiety. Ladies, how many of you feel that anxiety that's just got you? I was heading into a meeting with three of my favorite people. On staff, believers love to see them every time I see them. It's always a good experience. And I was so angry by the time I got there, I was hoping one of them would just, just pop off, just say something, and we can fight and get it over with. Listen, we have to remain free people. And our Father wants to give us that. And he says, Lord, forgive us as we forgive those who've, who've done something against us. That means we've got to keep short accounts. That means we've got to be forgiving people and forgive and forgive a lot. And ask God to forgive us and believe in it and trust in it. Because, you know, later on he goes on to say this. He says, if you don't forgive, I'm not going to forgive you. What? Jesus, the guy on the cross, said that? That's right. I didn't write it. You deal with it. I have to deal with it. If you're unwilling to forgive other people, why do you expect God to forgive you? He made that rule so that we wouldn't live as hypocrites. He made that rule so that we would remain free. People who can forgive are free people. People who can forgive things in the past are free people. People who can forgive certain things that's happened uh, by different folks who now I've learned to hate these people because I've learned that all people like them are this way and I don't have to forgive them. God can forgive them. No. God wants us to be free to move and to be powerful in this time. God wants us to be free and powerful to move in this time. His people, His people, our Father, our Father. I know that's a lot, but to me, knowing God's power, sensing His power, knowing His plan, gives me more hope that I can be stronger than I think I can be. That you can be stronger than you think you can be. You can be more loving than you think you can be. You can be more brilliant than you think that you can be. In John chapter, 1 John chapter 1, chapter, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, he says... Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out the love for the Father. Practically everything that goes into the world, 
wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. Are those some powerful words or what? It just isolates you from Him. It just isolates me from Him. The world and all its wanting, 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 is on the same way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? All the wanting, all the getting, all the having, all the missing out is going away. But the one who is in God is set for eternity. And I pray that's you. Here's just a little note of where we're going as a fellowship. I am convicted to the core that we need to be reaching our neighbors around here throughout Albuquerque in this city. That we need to make room for those who are unchurched. We need to be making room for young people who love singing songs and being happy. They need to be in a place where older believers can share and mentor and guide and celebrate them as a new set of leaders. This church should be a city on a hill. This church should be a lighthouse in this community. And I pray that that's your desire. That when it comes to who we are in Jesus Christ and the message of forgiveness and restoration, that we mean business and this is a place to come. We're friendly, right? We are. It's one of the friendliest churches you'll ever go to. People are loving here, genuinely loving. We just got to get out in the field and find them and bring them to hope. This is history. You and I are living in history. It's the kind of history that people write about. It's the kind of history that we look backwards at and, and learn from and are amazed sometimes and disappointed sometimes. But if you don't realize this, you and I are a part of history. And what are we going to do with that? Is the Father going to lead us into this history? Into glory, into victory? Or will we sit by and watch it happen? And say, I remember when. Or, hey, I was there when God came down. I was there when God used my church to reach my community. I was there when we saw an outpouring of God's spirit in this town, in this community, in a hurting time. I was there. And it was glorious.
I know that's a lot, but there's nothing good on TV. We can't eat bread anymore, so let's get to work. Father, I thank you for this time. Thank you for these sweet people that you love dearly. Thank you, Lord, that you call us out of ourselves to be energized, to be strong in the faith, to care for those who are hurting, rescuing those who are lost. Oh, Lord, Lord, shake us out of our complacency and let us be a part of your history. The great revival of the living God. Do your work in us, Lord. Even if it's at 25%, we know you want 100% of each one of us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Whatever thy findeth to eat is holy unto thee today. Did that sound official enough? Well, I'm going to grab my cap. I'll meet you guys outside and hang out for a bit. It's good to be with you. Thank you for coming. It means so much to see your faces. It means so much to see your faces. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. God look you completely full in your face and make you prosper. And may no weapon fashioned by the enemy come against you or prosper as you advance forth in Jesus' name. All right, people. Go get them. See you next week. <laughs>